Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one, and we're back. And Julie, we are officially 30 days yes. into our 59-day or maybe 60-day U.S. tour. Mm-hmm. And we're going to go, we are at, going to <laughs> at least 20 different states, maybe as many as 22 different states. And we are in San Francisco for, I think, what, another day and a half or so. And yes. today we're going to Pier... Or, 39, I think 39, and we're going to take Zoe to a... Um, where are we maybe taking Maybe the aquarium Zoe? and the pier, Fisherman's Wharf. Maybe we'll see some sea lions hanging out. We'll see how it goes. And um, this is, of course, Real Estate Coaching Radio. And yes, we normally do drill down on real estate topics that are designed to educate you, motivate you, and put you into action. But for July and August, we are going on, and for those of you listening to us for the first time, we are on a national tour. As I just mentioned, 20 different or 22 different states meeting with coaching clients, podcast listeners, book purchasers. And friends. uh, And friends, right? Family members as well. um, And people that we know from eXp Realty. We're meeting with everyone and anyone along our path. So if you are in the San Francisco Bay Area and you would like to meet with Julie and I today and go walk through and see sharks and other things that we're going to see at Mm -hmm. the aquarium, please do consider joining us. And again, it is pure I think it's Pier 39. Right. And you can message Julie and I directly through Instagram and do while you're there. Give us a follow. It's Tim and Julie Harris over on Instagram. Or you can, of course, actually text me directly, which is 512-758-0206. Please do text. Don't call. I never, ever answer the phone. So just always text. Um, So yesterday, and we're going to get back to real estate topics in a second, but some of you are actually appreciating our travel uh, blogs and vlogs and whatnot that we're doing. So yesterday we went to the Modern Art Museum here in San Francisco, and it was an experience. We've been to certainly museums. You and I are mm-hmm. kind of uh, we like to go to museums when we're in different cities, mm-hmm. and we've been to them in England and France and Italy and uh, different states in the United States, different places in the City. United States. Really, mm-hmm. I mean, we'd like to go to museums for another reason, and it's a nice break from uh, reality, you know. And it's quiet. It's pretty relaxing. There were a lot of, of time. there were a lot of interesting observations that I had, and I'd be curious as to what yours were. So uh-huh. let's start with yours. Did you have anything that really stands out from um, the experience we had yesterday? Uh, well, I really love. There's a huge plant wall. It's kind of hard to explain, but if you imagine maybe a two-story tall and I don't know, did you a take couple pictures? thousand feet wide? I did. Well, I, then put them on I'll Instagram. Put them on Instagram. Yeah. And they had, uh, it's, it's a living wall, I think is what it was called. And it's been around since 2017. So it's gotten to be kind of fluffy, I yeah. guess. And these plants were planted in these little wall pockets, but you couldn't tell unless you looked really closely. And it was just beautiful. It was very lush, all the different types of greens and flowers. And so I was looking for four-leaf clovers. So of everything that we saw, I think that that's the one that I really liked. Of course, it was outside. And, you know, you can kind of just sit and look at all the different uh, texture. What I noticed... Uh, observing before I went outside because you guys uh, were you guys broke off and you, you know when we were in the museum you guys went in one direction I went the other but I was looking out that window where the living wall was and it was so funny how even adults behavior was marketably different when it when they were outside around that wall people are much less uh, stoic shall we say yeah. 
and uh, you know much happier and you saw a lot of people smiling and then as soon as they came back in around all the modern art they all looked like they were more serious yeah it was they were all very somber it was i'll tell you what my uh, big takeaways were first of all you and i having been to a lot of museums Mm -hmm. the um it's fascinating to me just fascinating i don't really have an opinion on it that when you're in a modern art museum there's always you see the art whatever it is and you know it's mostly beautiful stuff and then you see this long uh, explanation of not just the artist which is you know fascinating but also what the art was supposed to mean what it's supposed to represent and they get into all sorts of usually political and social causes and just different reasons that they're motivated a lot of the modern art was going back to all the way back to world war ii and you were talking about mm-hmm. you know this you know the socialism the nazism and all the di- types of things that were going on that were you know that and it was fascinating to read those things but it was really interesting on the more the say the stuff that was made from the maybe the 60s or the 70s forward you would see like you know uh, five circles on a canvas and then there was like four paragraphs explaining what those five circles were supposed to represent i just thought that was interesting from multitude of levels but um the art uh the descriptions were oftentimes for me more interesting to read than the art itself was to look at <laughs> because yeah. the descriptions were in some cases were just written so well i personally took pictures of the descriptions and not of the art because the that way a lot that, of good writing that's true oh that's it was incredible yeah and i'll tell you the other thing was is we were uh, roy lichtenstein so i was i forget on fourth floor fifth floor whatever it was there's just acres and acres of these Roy Lichtenstein modern paintings, which I actually, I like those. They were interesting. It wasn't just some sort of like, there were two different artists in here, just getting away from Roy Lichtenstein for a second, in the museum that had their art on display. Um, and these were private collections for the most part that people were lending to the museum. But they were these big, massive, essentially red or burgundy squares and that was what it was with like four four paragraphs explaining why the artist was motivated just to basically paint a burgundy square i'm not exaggerating and then you go around the corner and maybe do a different floor and you see these roy lichtensteins and then there were not these big breathy explanations of what the art was it was roy lichtenstein here's a brief bio where he was born his mm-hmm. you know basically basic some, facts but it wasn't all this big breathy explanation trying to sell to you why you're supposed to like that particular piece of art or what the artist was thinking when they made the art now, I juxtaposition uh, that in my mind to when you and I have gone to more traditional museums mm-hmm. that weren't modern, where the art would have been from the Renaissance or the art would have been you know, from the classics and the Impressionist, yeah. right? And there was no big breathy description of what you were looking at. You would see, usually, because most of these paintings were just ancient, like the ones you'd see in Italy, for example, or even Paris. Go to the Louvre if you want to see crazy stuff. And you'd see the artist's name and you'd see their birth date and their death date and you'd, you'd see the name of the painting and that was it. Right. So there wasn't a big... Or it was what it was depicting, like a scene from the Bible or right. a historical uh, a battle or something. But right. for the most part, so I know what you're, you know, I was having those thoughts too. It, it was what you see is what you get in right. a sense. It wasn't like, here's what you're supposed to think about it. Or this is, you know, I, I guess I kind of like, I like it more maybe when what you see is kind of congruent with your first impression in a way. But isn't art supposed to not, are you, when you're looking at art in modern art, at least my experience yesterday, it's almost like they didn't want you to form your own impressions or your own emotional attachment to the art. You were supposed to basically be congruent with the artist's intention was thus the long. Right. That's the difference is it was their commentary on versus this is what it is. Right. 
Uh, and for that reason, frankly, I'm still definitely more towards the, uh, the old the old artists, right? The you know. But it's good to get. I mean, to even though maybe that's not our favorite stuff, it's still good to be exposed to different things because there were a lot of things in that museum that we liked. Oh yeah, we like that three dimensional, of course. <laughs> housing influenced yeah. <laughs> of course we would like that but that three-dimensional multi-story uh, it was like 20 feet it was tall like a modern almost like a modern apartment adult building dollhouse in a way <laughs> yeah, because right. every window you looked in had something different and there was I a, thought that was really interesting I love the one that the had sign. a for sale sign yeah did you take a picture of that by the way I I tried to and then the docent gave me the eye so. yeah I know that place was locked it was seriously yeah. checkpoint Charlie all the way through so along those lines back to the Lichtensteins mm -hmm. I was noticing and all I would say at least on that floor it would seem like every single piece of art was on loan by the Fisher family. And I thought I knew who they were, but I wasn't sure. So I Googled it and um, they were, and uh, she's still alive. He's passed away and she's 90 or something like that. They started the gap. So the family that started the gap was based here in San Francisco. And I read their, um, their, um, wiki and the gist of it was they started the gap in 1969 because so it was hard for them to find a pair of jeans or something like that that was the motivation this was a husband and a wife couple that started the gap and the fishers and uh, they obviously have built that and, and now they own victoria's secret not victoria's secret they own uh um old navy old navy and the gap and what's the other one j crew maybe j crew and not j crew but they own uh what's the banana republic yeah yeah, so they own. The, I think there is another, maybe a couple brands that they own as well, uh, but publicly traded, and the family is worth seven over, like you know, seven to nine billion dollars. But all through their lives, uh, this couple had collected art. Well, when they could afford to, they started collecting art. And vert, I don't know if all of it, but it, I imagine most of it was on display at the San Francisco Modern Art Museum. Museum, and it was really cool because I was looking at um, the history of this couple as they were building their business. And obviously it meant mm -hmm. something to me because you and I are a couple and we're building yeah, our business, right? Exactly. I was looking at this history of this couple that were, it would, you would see when they, you'd read the description again, not, it was it, Lichtenstein's mostly, not a big long, you know, this is how you're supposed to feel by looking at this painting. But then it would say at the very end in small print when they acquired it. And for me, it was fun to see that they would acquire some of these on an almost like annual basis. And you could just imagine this couple was pining away for a particular painting and they used it as a, a, a reward or some way to motivate themselves to, yeah. you know, buy art. I, I don't know. Interesting. I, I appreciated I, it. Well, and sometimes when you go to a museum, what you take away from it is maybe not what you thought you were going to go in for. Yeah. Right? So it's all about um, getting better exposure and seeing and doing different things. And the but building itself was, was ridiculous. It was that amazing. It was pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And yes. there, did you notice in the whole thing, mm -hmm. the staircases were never in the same place? You just read my mind. Yes. And also the architecture of the staircases was yep. pretty interesting. It was somewhere wide, somewhere mm -hmm. thin, somewhere. Uh, but cool. I thought it was just to build a building where no, you normally, if you think of a building guy, staircases are stacked, right? Not in this place. You had to go searching for the staircase. But I realized after getting frustrated searching for a staircase <laughs> that they intentionally made it so you had to search for the staircase yeah. so you would look at more art. And that's right. And the staircase itself was art. So. It's pretty interesting. So that's good. And we encourage you guys, of course, to get out. You don't have to go to another town. Maybe there's things in your own town you haven't seen before. So it's all about seeing and doing different things. And you never know when that's going to make a difference, right? Maybe mm -hmm. the listing appointment that you go on this evening is somebody that collects something that you just saw or has an appreciation for something. And then that resonates with well, them. Well, it makes you a more interesting person overall. For sure. You're Ma the sum of all of your experiences, yeah. right? Yeah. So. And it will, as a side stream benefit too, just being around people 
that are real modern art lovers is mm-hmm. in itself an experience. Yes. There, I was, I don't remember what floor I was in, but I just sat down for a little bit because there was just, the, the art was beautiful, but what was really interesting are the people that were looking at the art. Mm-hmm. And so I was looking at the people looking at the art. And that for me was a very uh, present experience because mm-hmm. it was just fun to watch people <laughs> who really had, some of them were just crazy in love with this art. You could just tell. And they were talking about all the details. Like and they went to see that piece. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And that was and very exciting people. because, you know, I'm a, I'm a, a classic European car nerd. Mm-hmm. And in well, basically a week, we're going to be down in Monterey for the whole car week thing. And I'm sure I'm going to be boring the hell out of everyone during our daily podcast talking about the car things morning, I've seen. Morning. <laughs> or That's boring right. you and Zoe. Oh, I don't know. Frankly. There's so much. But, you know, to your point, just like the art museum, I think people watching there is pretty interesting, too. And uh, yeah, I was thinking about all the different things that we've learned about on our trip that were in unconscious incompetence. Like totally. the crazy starship houses that we saw in northern New Mexico. Um, you know, I haven't been on a ton of yachts, but being on uh, Glenn's yacht was different and appreciating, you know, how all of that comes together, different views from different uh, parts of the world. So, yeah, I think that's that was part of the point of getting out. A reprieve from our reality. But when we reenter back into our reality in Dorado, Puerto Rico, we're obviously not the same people. That's you know, right. We, we've changed our yeah. perspective. We, I think for the most part, we've uh, this has been what this trips thus far has definitely been what I hoped it would be because the thing that's interesting about getting older is that you have to search out unique experiences or things you haven't experienced multiple times before. And if you don't do that, a little bit of you dies, honestly. You just become so. a little bit complacent with how you think, uh, complacent with how you interact with uh, the entire world. And mm-hmm. I, I guess, truthfully, when I see how our daughter is, this is all new. Everything that she sees every single day is new, never experienced before, first time ever. And the side stream benefit of, of seeing her see something for the first time for me definitely rekindles an appreciation for, um, you know, life, really. Absolutely. And so this has been really, I think, the, the mission of this mission, the mm-hmm. mission of this sojourn is definitely um, working out. And I'm very yes, thankful for that. Yes, it continues to. So we're talking about this week, we're talking about powerful practices for top producing professionals. And that um, is something that all of you guys need to keep in mind, especially now that we're in the dog days of summer. And it's easy for a lot of people, especially if you've worked your butts off the first half of the year, uh, to sort of be lulled into complacency. And I will caution you, well, first of all, it's okay certainly to take some time off and appreciate the fruits of your labor. There's no doubt about that. But secondarily, you need to be taking into consideration that your new year effectively starts really arguably at the end of um, September, somewhere in there. Sometimes, you know, it depends. You could say October. But the way to ensure that you're going to have a fantastic 2022 and i know we're barely halfway through 2021 but a top producing a professional any kind of professional anybody anybody who's uh, the best at what they do they start thinking about the new year six months prior to the new year and the way also a more practical way of thinking about that is the contact to paycheck cycle in your life in business even in this crazy seller's market well if you're taking listings it's kind of probably be no more than maybe three or four months maybe only 60 days in some markets where you contact a seller you are able to put the house for sale the house sells with multiple offers you get paid so realistically let's call that 60 to maybe 75 days if you're working with buyers your contact to paycheck cycle could be a hell of a lot longer because obviously buyers are, you know. It could know, be never ending, quite Right, it could be never ending. That's another reason where we try to get you guys to focus on being listing agents. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, what we're seeing right now is we're seeing a lot. The market sort of relax a little bit. The market's taking a breath. Julie and I are noticing more 
price adjustments, longer days on the market, nothing really marketable. And we anticipate, and you should as well, that the market's going to be hot as ever going into the end of the year. And the big mm -hmm. site, the big upticks are going to be, there's going to be a natural normal slowdown. Kids go back to school. There's a natural normal slowdown at the end of October. There's a natural normal slowdown around Thanksgiving, certainly around Christmas. But for the most part, you still have plenty of time to significantly move the needle for 2021, but also prepare yourself for 2022. And the best thing you can be doing right now is learning how to be a listing agent. Learning how to be a listing agent, mastering the art, mastering the art and science of being a listing agent is where you're going to get the greatest return on investment. There's no doubt about that. We strongly encourage you to take a hard look at joining our coaching program. If you want to learn more about our coaching program, you can just text the word success, success to 47372. Text the word success to 47372. Or just go over to timandjulieharris.com and click on coaching and look at Premier Coaching. That's the perfect gateway for all of you guys to become um, a Premier Coaching client. That's right. So back to our topic about top producing professionals. Point number five they are stable and low drama. Even in stressful situations, they lead instead of follow. The most successful professionals are versatile. That means they're able to handle a variety of situations with different personality styles, with care and skill, creating the desired outcome. That kind of plays to a previous point from yesterday. They say yes more than they say no. They are not in the habit of saying, no, that's not my cup of tea. No, that's not my type of transaction. No, they instead have a great amount of versatility. And I have to say, Tim, after at least 5 billion coaching calls, um, and I think you'll agree with this, that the most versatile agents are also the most profitable. Well, definitely. And there's a nice thing that Julie and I uh, coach our clients to uh, internalize and saying to yourself, it's too soon to tell. Because ultimately, the highs and the lows of life, really, but the highs and lows of real estate are what going to, they're going to burn you out. So when you have a really good experience, a great day, all the stars align, everybody's happy. You're just this is the career for you. You're just you couldn't couldn't be better. You just got to remind yourself: don't over celebrate, don't overly emotionally attach yourself to that high. Because then you're going to inevitably have a day that's going to follow where it's not going to feel like that. And if you're constantly subjecting your body or your physiology to those ups and downs, you're increasing the cortisol in your life. You're increasing the stress in your life. You're making it so that there's no consistency of effort and no consistency of results in your life. So adopt the mindset and adopt really the lifestyle of saying it's too soon to tell. You had a great day. You, everyone's congratulating you. Inside, say it's too soon to tell. When you have a really terrible day, Obviously, this is more valuable in those days where nothing works out. You just feel like you've chosen the wrong career. Um, you know, all kinds of series of bad things happened in your life. It's too soon to tell. And if you stay within that realm of too soon to tell, you'll avoid those peaks and those valleys emotionally and you'll get more done and you'll feel more of a sense of control of your life. That's right. So point number six, they are clear that their product is profit. Yes, creating, quote, clients for life and helping people find their dream homes. That's all true. But at the end of the day, the top producers know and they are clear that they're running a business, not a nonprofit business or an unintentional nonprofit, but a profitable business. They have profit and loss statements. They file taxes quarterly. They budget. They project. They are very aware of their financial affairs. This is one of the things that the treasure map does, Tim, 
is it gets them to drill down on their actual financial picture. And this goes back to another point that we share with you guys as frequently as possible. If you have to choose, and actually I had somebody text me a great Bill Murray quote. Mm -hmm. I, I should find it in my text, but mm -hmm. it was behind like a thousand texts at this point. Um, evidently, uh, Bill Murray was interviewed by somebody and he was talking about being rich versus being famous. And if he had to choose, oh. which would he choose? And that right was amazing. Yeah, yeah. This, guy, this guy snipped it and sent it to me. Mm -hmm. But the gist of it was, is Bill Murray said he would choose being rich. Because here's the interesting thing, and I want you guys to really allow this to percolate in your brains because it's an important point that if you use this as a filter in your life, will actually pretty much ensure that you're not going to have uh, too many dark days financially in your future. If you have to if, look to see what you're motivated by, are you motivated to be rich or are you motivated to be famous? And as you get older, you're going to find the more you are going to regret your younger years of being motivated to be famous. And I'll give you a for example. When you have somebody that's telling you to spend more money on branding, that in general is feeding into your ego's desire to be recognized and looking for recognition, recognition, adulation from strangers. So when you're making profit in your business, the thing to do with your, that profit is to pull it out of your business, not necessarily reinvest it in your business. And I want you to remember what Julie and I do for a living. We sell coaching to agents. So we want you to buy our product. But now I'm giving you uh, conflicting advice, but it's also the smartest business advice I could give you. Your business at the end of the day is not worth a thing. Your business, your real estate practice, your brokerage, your team has no value other than the profit you pull from the business. And if you're feeling offended by that, I want you to gut check yourself. Why is that offensive to you? I know why, probably, if you think about this. It's because you've been taking all of what would have been your profit and pouring it back into your business. But the money, the, the reason you've been motivated to do that is because you want to be famous, not because you're wanting to create more profit. If you're just chasing revenue, if you're just chasing units and you're not chasing profits, you're going to have, you're, you might even make it to the top of the heap. You might have all the plaques and the awards, but you won't have any net, you won't have any net worth. You won't have enough profit so that when the dark clouds come and they always do in, pers in your personal professional life or just in the economy as a whole, the lack of having run a profit-driven business is going to result in you, frankly, not having uh, your going broke. And that happens all the time. Well, and it doesn't have to be a big recession or a housing crash or, you know, interest rates doubling. It could be something as simple as, you know, very commonly an unexpected medical bill. Well, how about COVID? COVID would yeah. be what... You know, it's so funny. People say, well, what about a black swan event? Didn't we all just live through that? Right. I mean, I, I remember when the word black swan was supposed to signify something that like never happened. But now mm -hmm. it seems like the older we get, the black swans seem to show up on a routine basis. Like they're, they're migrating, you know, yeah, I know it's crazy. But I want you guys really to think about that. If you have a choice right now, if you're in your 20s, and I ask you if you choose to be rich or famous. Most of you are going to say famous and you're going to rationalize it by saying, if I'm famous, I'll be rich. That is not true. Then if I'm going to ask you when you're in your 30s, you're still going to answer the question, but you're going to start having your, an internal conflict about it because you're going to realize you're not where you wanted to be financially. In your 40s, that's where you're really going to be 75 percent rich and 25% famous. And when you get older than that, I promise you, you could give a rat's ass about being famous. <laughs> you're going to want to, you're going to wish you would have been uh, focused on uh, wealth part. building. And remember guys, our definition of rich, which is not, I don't think politically de de decisive or divisive. divisive or socially divisive in any way is rich is where your money works for you and you no longer work for your money. So if you have enough money coming in passively every single month that you don't have to worry about paying your your personal bills anymore, you are by definition rich. And for most of you, that's $7,500 a month. So I'd strongly encourage you to focus on building a profitable business and be 
honest with yourself. Have you been building or been believing that you need to basically work on your brand and work on your logo and your website and your team? And that basically once you, you know, essentially have this bot reputation in your marketplace, sometimes somehow the business will come your way. Notice how it's not coming your way. And when you call those companies to complain about it, what do they tell you? Spend more money, take more time. For a longer time. Right. And, and if you look, if you're really being honest, which some of you, I know will find this offensive, but that's okay. If you look to see where your business actually came from, it almost always comes from the exact sources that Julie and I say, except for bot buyer leads, which were really not worth chasing in the first place. They're going to come from the primary lead generator spokes that we teach you in our coaching program, which are all proactive lead generation spokes. This is the sanity that you've been looking for so you can have consistent cash flow for which from that you can then invest it and you can become rich where your money works for you and you no longer have to work for your money. And you don't have to take 10 or 20 years to get there. There's, you know, we teach you in our coaching program. It's the last chapter in our best-selling book, Harris Rules, uh, how to go about building wealth. But the key is that you have to have a profitable business first. That's right. And one more point, and then we'll round the bend and we'll finish this up on Monday. Point number seven, discipline and habits run their business, not drama and fire putting out. They concentrate on the things that create profit. They know the difference between being productive versus just being busy or looking busy. They spend their daily schedule on lead generation, furiously fast lead follow-up, pre-qualifying prospects, you know, uh, presenting, negotiating, and closing. They are not what some people call schedule adverse. Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me how to do it. No, they're very focused on the dollar productive activities that you just mentioned. I had a great conversation yesterday with uh, Sean Kokoska, actually, yes. who's part of our EXP Libertas group. And I was telling him that as I've gotten older, I keep on saying that. I don't feel old. <laughs> but as I have gotten older, I, I guess the reason I can say- more experience. Well, it's, it's because we've been having these conversations for decades. Mm-hmm. And every time I start talking about you uh, with you about these, con- you know, you, we've been married for 30 years. We mm-hmm. met in high school. Yeah. I sort of feel like I'm jumping into a time machine and I can mm-hmm. go forward and backward like, you know, by 20 or 30 years. Right. You know what I'm saying? Sean as well, I think. So it, so it breaks me free. It, then I have to remind myself, you've been doing this for a really damn long time, <laughs> Tim. Yeah. But I'll tell you something that's definitely changed as I've gotten older is I realized that that I have probably every single day, if I'm lucky, maybe <laughs> four hours where I'm really operating at, um, you know, peak. Uh, highly productive. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Not just not just productive, but the ability to be highly productive. Sure. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, all, the, I, all the cylinders are firing the right way. Exactly. And, then, yeah. you know, that's physiology. It's because we exercise pretty aggressively in the morning. It's who yep. knows why. But the reality of it is, is I have maybe three or four hours where I can really get the most of the day. And after that, I'm not just sitting on the couch and eating Doritos, though that sounds wonderful. (laughs) I mean, I'm doing other things, but I know if I'm being honest that I'm really, I've got three or four hours a day. So I've got to make sure I'm making the most out of those three or four hours. Otherwise, frankly, it's too much time is going to pass into oblivion of just doing nothingness. Yes. And if you wake and generally speaking, it's when you wake up in the morning. That's when all your, mm-hmm. you know, your hormones are running right. Your physiology is running right. You're naturally more optimistic in the morning. Most of you are like almost all of oh, you are you're more effective too. Right. And, and you haven't, you, your brain has had an opportunity to reset, purged all the garbage that maybe has mm-hmm. percolated throughout the rest of the day. The worst thing to do in the morning is log into email or check the news or anything. Allow that morning to sort of, you know, gracefully enter into, you know, yourself to gracefully enter in the morning and then do the things that matter most every day. Again, we talk about this in our coaching program, pack your front end of your day with a, you know, three to five things that are going to have the most impact in your life long-term. 
Uh, but you know, that's something that everyone's got to remember. And if you've got three to five hours, if you're younger, maybe it's the five hours. If you're our age, it's maybe three to four hours. Maybe realistically, some people might only be two hours. You got to make the most of that time. You know when that is, that's when you need to be making those high impact contacts. So Mm -hmm. that tails into your last point. I want to end today's podcast, unfortunately, on a bit of a sad note. Um, We had, uh, I'm going to tell a story. Also a cautionary tale. A cautionary tale. And uh, this is uh, abnormal for our podcast, but I think all of you guys will appreciate it. So probably, it's hard for me to know, 2002, 2003, um, I had a coaching client um, named Kevin Hutto, and I coached Kevin. He was new in real estate. Prior to that, he had been selling insurance, and I uh, coached Kevin. I don't remember how many years, but it was quite a few years, mm-hmm. and then he got out of real estate, and he started doing um, online stuff, and that was basically when all the online marketing stuff, and he was really attracted to that, so that's what he ended up doing, so I stopped coaching him, but we stayed in contact for a long period of time. And he was always an interesting person for a variety of reasons. The biggest one being he was really smart Mm -hmm. and uh, always fun to talk to, always would figure out ways to um, mentally challenge me, which I appreciated. And maybe he was doing it intentionally. He probably was. But it was a bit of a pistol. It was never like when you when you talk to Kevin, like I would not talk to Kevin Hutto unless it was during my three to four hours of, right. of peak You had to temp. be frosty. Yeah, I Extra had to be frosty, frosty. right, yeah. exactly with him. Yeah. And he, he wrote really elegant, elegantly. He was very just thoughtful in what he said. Mm-hmm. He wasn't intentionally, you know, just a really good guy. And I remember um, when he was, we were teaching him how to actually proactively lead generate. Mm-hmm. And uh, I learned that he and his wife had been missionaries. I forget mm-hmm. which country, but it was one of those countries that, you know, you have to really think hard whether or not you want to go there in the first place, let alone be a no, missionary. Maybe not a vacation zone. Yeah. And he yeah. was experienced at it. And he talked to me about it, And they were still actively involved in their church and they were doing a lot of things. Well, Kevin is uh, 50, was 50, and he passed away. And he just passed away the other day. And it's come as a, you know, a shock for a whole mm-hmm. variety of reasons. I feel the loss. Julie feels the mm-hmm. loss. Some of you guys who have known him, he was involved in our coaching program um, in a variety of ways. And obviously, I just shared with you that he was some of you guys might directly know him. So he's passed away mm-hmm. and he passed away from COVID. And I think that goes to what Julie and I were sort of gingerly, you know, walking around the last few days on our podcast as COVID, where we are, is omnipresent. San Francisco and other places we've been, people are hyper COVID aware here. And um, again, we're we're mask wearers, we're, you know, uh, vaccinated, we're complete advocates of people getting vaccinated. But for those of you who are not vaccinated, I would strongly suggest you listen to what I'm saying. So uh, uh, Kevin, you know, died evidently of COVID complications and he was 50 years old and he was, you know, he was incredibly full of life. Yes. Um, I'll tell you guys a funny story. So I forget where he was. Uh, Florida, I think is where he, uh, where he lived. He had a, uh, he owned a uh, golf course that he, um, you know, basically bought this golf course that he had grown up playing golf on with his friends and his family and his, you know, and he, even though he lived in California and this golf course was not a moneymaker, he always lost money on it, but he kept it alive for the sake of all these people he grew up on still Fashion having, project, right? right, it really, mm-hmm. to have, right, a hobby really, having a place to play golf. And every time I talked to him, it would seem like there would always be some, you know, pain in the ass problem he was having this golf course. And I do remember him telling me he was keeping it alive. He wouldn't use the word nostalgia, but that was the gist of it. That's the kind of guy he was. He was keeping this golf course alive so that his friends and his family who couldn't, uh, you know, join the private expensive members only golf course could still play golf. That's what Mm -hmm. it was for him. And I, that kind of goes a lot to his character, but the point is, it's, I didn't, uh, I hadn't talked to him for probably maybe 18 months or something. We'd exchange, you know, emails and whatnot and texts 
but um, he passed away of COVID-related uh, complications. It was evidently something fairly sudden, and I will strongly suggest that all of you get vaccinated. And it don't, just don't wait until you're affected, right? To believe it's real. You know, one of our coaches just went through this. Fortunately, she's recovered now. But I tell you what, when she had it, she's she's literally said, "I feel like I'm going to die." Yeah, it's real. You can't breathe. So the older you are. And, um, you know, obviously it seems to definitely hone in on uh, people that are overweight and have, Mm -hmm. you know, other health problems. Don't if you're healthy and you don't you are not vaccinated and you're within the let's say you're over 40. um, The likelihood of you getting sick from it is less. But get the damn vaccine anyway. Why would you roll the dice on that? Right. You know, it's it's so funny to me. The uh, the the unvaccinated people have had uh, I've, you know, friendly conversations with them. Sure. And they're all like questioning the F that help me with the word ethicity. Yeah. Of the vaccine. Right. Saying there's never been a vaccine that's been created so fast, this, that, and the other thing. I'd rather just take my risk on COVID. And I think to myself, so you'd rather take the risk on having some, you know, arguably naturally uh, created or lab created virus in your body then you would taking a vaccine will assure that you won't get it. It's like, aren't it, it using your logic, aren't both sides a risk? Equal, well, yeah. let's go with the risk that doesn't result in you getting sick. Let We know this will make you sick. So let's go with that one where you won't get sick. So right. anyway, that's all. But, you know, God bless you, Kevin. Um, you will be missed. You certainly were an interesting person in all the right ways. And, and um, but, he, but, you know, that is a cautionary tale to people who are rolling the dice you know, take action on this. Yep. And Kevin, and Kevin was, uh, you know, he was, he was married. He had two kids. I guess his oldest kid is now basically a young teenager. So that makes it extra sad. Well, Um, so, but to your point, Tim, if not for yourself, regardless of your beliefs, do it for your family. Yeah, I agree. So, so there it is. Uh, hopefully, uh, this is, uh, hit you guys in the right ways and you're not going to fire off some sort of uh, statement that we're being political. We're not. We're sharing our life experiences with all of you guys. That's what this podcast is. Um, It's a bit cathartic today, especially talking about Kevin, Um, but hopefully you guys appreciate this. In the meantime, we would certainly appreciate if you would give us a five-star review, if you think we merit it, obviously, Mm -hmm. on iTunes and some words and some nice words, and you can do that using your podcasting app or just going to iTunes on your computer. But we certainly appreciate the support and uh, we certainly appreciate you continuing to help us make this number one daily listen to podcast for real estate agents. Please follow along on this journey uh, that we're going. We still we're halfway through. Yes. <laughs> All of us are still alive. I know. We're halfway we through. Made it. But we're gonna we're gonna keep posting on Instagram our pictures and where we're gonna be and all the rest of it. We're gonna I know some of you guys have asked us for more videos, so we're gonna start doing more short videos. In the meantime, have a fantastic day. If you want to get hold of Julie or I, just uh, text me directly at five one two seven five eight zero two zero six. Don't call, text. Have a fantastic day. We'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.